Everybody comfortable? Yeah. Get your ass up when I'm talking. Hey, take it easy. It's showtime. It's showtime. Yeah. Feel the magic and soul of the YBs. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Take two. That Davis show, lucky enough again to be joined by J.J. Stankovich. Follow him at J.J. Stankovich. Of course, he covers the Bears for NBC Sports Chicago and always check him out on the Under Center podcast. Uh, he had a pretty flame show this weekend. <laughs> Thanks to Tony Gill, mostly. And listen, I had to hit up Tony, right? And I'm like, because I, I usually, sometimes I don't want to pre-interview you and know your exact thoughts, right? Uh-huh. Ver- verbatim, because then I, I don't feel this is organic because people can go to the Undercity podcast and get them. But I did ask Tony because we were conversating, say, hey, what did JJ get hot about on the Undercity podcast? Because I was, I was going to watch, I was listening to it, I was like, no, 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 just just leave, leave out of that because you don't want to just regurgitate it or whatever. And he had mentioned, I, you know what, I'll open with that. He had mentioned that you didn't care for Ted Phillips saying that the Bears were, were an enviable situation. So, I mean, and it makes I understand why you were uh, kind of upset with that, because one, and I hate to say this about anybody, he came off during that interview or that day is the most smug out of the four, yeah. uh-huh. to say the least. So what were your yeah. thoughts on Ted Phillips saying that the Bears, I guess, were, are an enviable situation for anybody out there wanting to come and join this franchise? That was so condescending. <laughs> I mean, like it is for 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 him to say that to you. Ted Phillips speaks to the fans once a year. It is after the season. And for him to make that part of his message to the fans, that we have a great culture, one that is the envy of every team in the NFL, when the starting quarterback said three days ago, we still need to work on building a championship culture. Who's buying that? What Bears fan is buying that their culture inside Hallis Hall is A, good, and B, matters? Like, that's the thing. It doesn't matter to most fans that on the business side of things, the Bears do have a good culture, which they do. I give them credit for that. But when you're speaking to fans who are frustrated with the state of the team, that is not something that needed to be brought up in an opening statement. And then to have the gall to say it's the envy, it's the kind of culture every other team in the NFL strives for. Well, wouldn't you rather have the Packers culture that wins? Wouldn't you rather have the Patriots culture that wins. Wouldn't you rather have the Rams culture that wins, not the Bears culture that goes eight and eight? I mean, that to me, that that was that was one of the biggest losses the Bears took in a press conference full of losses. <laughs> Listen, even going along the parallel of what you're saying, and George McCaxey mentioned this, and he someone asked him the question, and I was happy because I was going to ask you, and they asked him, well, who are the families of the football organizations that you're connected to? And two mm-hmm. of the ones that stood out, he mentioned the Moras of the Giants, and he also mentions the Roonies of the Steelers. I'm much, Listen, and I, I don't really want the Giants culture, but they got two Super Bowls in the last 10, 15 years, so I'll take it. I, I, I'd, a lot, I'd much more want the Steelers culture because – they're always in contention to some degree, you know, and, and it, the, when he said that, I really want to ask George McCaskey, what do they really tell you? Because in a way, I don't feel like they want you to have their culture because. Yes. Yes. It, it, Thank it, you. It, that's how like, I feel like they want to keep you. And I'm not I'm, I'm joking, but being that this is one of the, the charter franchises in the league, I think those those teams like the fact that the Bears aren't on the plateau that they should be. 
I mean, the other family that the Bidwells, the, the longtime owners of the, the, the Cardinals. Cardinals. And look, while I'm not, I don't think that the Maras want anything bad for the Chicago Bears because also, by the way, when the Bears are good, the NFL makes more True. money. True. But the optics, again, this is this press conferences are about optics. The optics of George McCaskey saying before anyone else who he consults with, the Maras, the Roonies, and the Bidwells was not good. Those, that is not good optics to say you consult with your friends around the league for counsel on these decisions. When, like you you said, Ken, like you know, a lot of us have thought, well, wait a minute, wouldn't the Maras want the Bears to not be competitive? And wouldn't the Bidwells be okay if the Bears aren't competitive? Because that's help that that will help those franchises ultimately get into the playoffs and make more money instead of the Bears. So that the the optics of that were were not good. Um, again, the Bears took a lot of L's on Wednesday. That was another one. Listen, what were your thoughts when George McCaskey said that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy were growing in their roles? Matt Nagy, I believe. Like that, okay. I am. I have. I believe that Matt Nagy can grow in his role as a head coach. He's only been doing it for three years. He still is relatively young. Head coaches can grow when you talk about the first three years to the next three or four, that Mm. does happen Um, with Ryan pace. Six years is a long time. Mm. And another L was Ted Phillips saying, well, if you break it up, you know, 15 to 17 and then 18 to 20, we've shown tremendous progress in 18 to 20. You're kind of leaving out the most important part, which is the 2017 draft. (laughs) And, Yes, the Bears have shown progress because what Ryan Pace took over in 2015 was a disaster. But progress to what end? Ryan Pace was always going to show progress, I think, because it was just so bad, you know, five, six years ago. But have the Bears shown the progress that merits warranting keeping your job? Or is it like you showed progress because you went from getting an F on a test to a D plus on a test? Like, it, does that really prove anything to anyone? No, um, only short, only short school bus. Uh, and I hate to be facetious like that, but no. I'm like, if my kid came and told me that, I'd be very upset with him to say at least my oldest child, because uh, one, you shouldn't have got the F, but that deep, I mean, I'll be heated, to be honest with you, yeah. if my child came in with a D plus and expected that to be looked at as growth. But sticking with that, Ted Phillips had mentioned that Nagy and Pace were able to self-reflect. And you mentioned that you saw growth in Nagy and and, and, and he has a smaller sample size uh, from being a head coach, also being a short-time offensive coordinator as far as calling the plays in Kansas City to compare to Ryan's Pace six years. But have you seen them being able to self-reflect and also make changes uh, over the, listen, the goal of Ted Phillips over the last three years. How about we use Ted Phillips' uh, analogy, I mean, the thought process as far as the time? I don't know, because we didn't get any straight answers. Um, when Mark Potash from the Chicago Sun-Times asked Ryan Pace directly, what did you learn about your misevaluation of the quarterback class in 2017? Pace said, oh, we're looking forward. And he didn't answer the question. Mm-hmm. You know, that would have been a moment for Ryan Pace to engender some trust within the fan base and say, look, I think it's pretty obvious that we, we drafted the wrong quarterback. We appreciate everything Mitchell has done for us, but – I, I did not get that right. If he had just said that and admitted it, I think Bears fans would be a lot. They would be not okay, but there wouldn't be this doom and gloom about Ryan Pace taking another quarterback that maybe there is right now. 
because I don't know if Ryan Pace has learned from what he did in 2017 and how he fell in love with one guy over two Hall of Fame talents, one of whom in Deshaun Watson was just the obvious choice. Correct. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if Ryan Pace has learned from that. I really don't. That Davis show right here with J.J. Stankovich. Follow him at J.J. Stankovich. You can always check him out on the Under City podcast. Shout out to our boy Tony Gill. Uh, listen, I, even sticking with that, and you, you're closer to this than a lot of us, it's when it comes to scouting, have, have, has there been any discussion and changes and perhaps because one thing that in 2017 when Mitch was drafted and they moved up and made that deal with the 49ers, it, he, Ryan Pace alluded to there was consensus in the room. He, 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 he gave off the, 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 the feeling that he didn't pressure anybody. He had his guy and everybody else in the room had his guy also. Has there been any change with the people in the room to address that situation? Perhaps, okay, bringing out somebody else who's good at picking that situation and maybe Ryan Pace knowing he's weak, he's allowing that person to take center stage and to handle that because with other positions around pace has been better. Uh, not that I know of, um, you know, I, I think like the, the bears have in their, their power structure in that front office. Um, you know, I think probably the best quote unquote outside voice would be champ Kelly, a guy who's a really smart guy. Uh, was a finalist for the Denver Broncos GM job before they hired uh, the guy from the Vikings you know, he, he's not a guy who came up with Ryan Pace like Josh Lucas, his director of player personnel is. Um, and the other thing with that, with the, the consensus in the room, well, you excluded your head coach from the room. Mm. Like yeah. your head coach wanted Deshaun Watson. And there, there, there was not consensus with Mitch because the head coach, again, wanted Deshaun Watson. It's been reported that Dave Ragone wanted Deshaun Watson. Really? You didn't listen to him. So no. There, no, there was no consensus. I, didn't, I knew Fox wasn't consulted, but I, 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 you know what? I never even thought of who he wanted because we were so unhappy with John Fox at that time. And that was unfair by me to really think about. I never even thought about that. It's been reported multiple times. I've heard the same thing uh, from people close to Fox that he, he wanted Deshaun Watson and hmm. the pace didn't listen to him. I, I wrote a column about this before the Texans game um, that was basically just like, you know what? Ryan Pace should have fired John Fox after the 2016 season, because if you're going to go take a swing at quarterback, you should probably listen to the people coaching that quarterback. Right. But Pace didn't. And their, their misevaluation, like what I also would have liked to hear from Ryan Pace, because this has been reported, uh, Dan Weeder and Rich Campbell from the Chicago Tribune uh, did a great job reporting this, Dan, over the last year or so, is that the Bears did not, scout Deshaun Watson as heavily as they should have. They did not go down as many paths with him as they could have. And that was a miss. The Bears essentially had made up their mind that they did not want Deshaun Watson. The Bears front office, I should say, the coaching staff, they wanted him. And they they didn't listen to the coaching staff. And if Ryan Pace had just respected John Fox's opinion to a point where maybe it is more of a discussion. Maybe you do scout him further. You probably would have fallen in love with him too. Cause you know, who's a really great quarterback and who already was a great quarterback in college was Deshaun Watson. Yes. And now the Bears are going down this path again, where they're going to be drafting a quarterback, most likely maybe even trading up for another one in April. Do we know if Ryan Pace has learned anything to go back to your question? I don't know. Do we know if his scouting structure has learned anything? I don't know. I really don't. He talked around a lot of stuff on Wednesday. 
I wanted to ask you this, and it's funny because it, it's a question. You mentioned something in your article the other day that me and well Ryan, our executive producer here at that David show and the flip, uh, we've been opining for Trey Lance since last year. Right. You mentioned him in your article uh, the other day. I'll, I'll just get straight to that. And the reason I bring it up is you just said that basically the Bears front office didn't do their due diligence in checking out Deshaun Watson. And you could say perhaps they fell in love with someone. And once you fell in love, you didn't want any more suitors. All right. Mm-hmm. But also there's still there's still an elephant in the room. The fact is that Deshaun Watson is a black quarterback. Mm-hmm. And it, it, does that do you think that factored in? I don't even mean that it factored in blatantly. But as a, 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 a unconscious biasness, I yeah. guess is what I'm trying to say. Was yeah. it an unconscious bias? And the flip of that is, which what you're saying is, does he know the difference? Will he just go out to Trey Lance because he's black? Like, forget it. Give me the black guy. I mean, first of all, Ken, the NFL is a league of overcorrections. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, I don't think it would be an overcorrection to go get Trey Lance because he's a really good quarterback. But if you're going to get him because you're like, uh-oh, people are saying I'm um, – I got a bias here. Uh, that's not how you go about it. Look, I mean, as a white person, I am constantly trying to evaluate my unconscious biases and try to get better and and not have them and eliminate them from my life. For Ryan Pace, Drew Brees was his guy, right? He came up with a quarterback who looked like Mitch Trubisky. And Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson don't look like Drew Brees. Mm. I'm not saying Ryan Pace is racist. I'm certainly not saying that. But I think everyone who is in a position of power needs to be evaluating their unconscious biases at all times and take a step back and say, am I acknowledging that Deshaun Watson is black or am I just kind of moving on? I don't know. Look, I don't know if any of this is happening, if it went on, whatever it was. But when also Ryan Pace kind of talks around stuff instead of directly taking accountability or responsibility or even addressing stuff, it leads to speculation. And it's fair speculation to say that he might have had an unconscious bias in this, which is, again, it's not me calling him racist. No, we're not being honest. Let's be honest. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm black. I'm I'm black, and I'm not by no means in my saying is I'm black and, and and try to uh, sugarcoat it or make it easy for others. But I too can have unconscious biases. I one I've lived in America my entire life, so for even being black, some of those trigger words when I see them on TV, it 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 it, it makes me and first me like, oh, thug, you know, like. Uh-huh. We've lived. We've all lived under this. You know what I'm saying. So you know you have to like even even if you take race out of it. And I know this is just like a conversation for the flip. Uh, we all have to be cognizant of our biases and also just the fact that because you feel a certain way, you can be wrong. But because you feel it, you believe that it's right. So like you even, have to that back. Even something as simple, Ken, is like going out to dinner with Mitch. Like you're going out to dinner with someone that looks like you, right? You know, like. Yeah. That, that kind of stuff can unconsciously lead you to really like this guy, mm-hmm. you know, I, and th- these are all things that are, are the only person who knows if this happened would be a deep self-evaluation from Ryan Pace himself. Correct. Like th- it would take a lot of self-reflecting to get to that point. Um, but look, it's th- when, when the bears draft Mitch Trubisky, 
and they leave these two Hall of Fame generational talents on the board in Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, who are black and Mitch Trubisky is white. You kind of have to look at everything to identify why you made that mistake and if you will make that mistake again. Look, in sticking with that, because uh, I, I was going to say Trey Lance for the end of the, the interview, but since we brought him up, um, only having one season and one start, what's your fear of Trey Lance? Because it, at first, Ryan and myself, we were like, there's no chance of getting Trey Lance because he's probably going to go at this point, let's say at the beginning of this year, like number 10. Yeah. This is before Trask and Zach Wilson. I think Zach Wilson's going to be the third quarterback now. Yeah. You know, so looking at that, are you even kind of leery? Because this is the thing, too, if they bring, bring in uh, uh, someone like a Trey Lance who d- doesn't have a lot of reps in college, you're giving him the Matt Nagy to figure him out. Yeah. So how do you feel about drafting someone who hasn't uh, kind of has played as many games as Mitch outside of one extra game, basically? I yeah, think it, it, that, that to me is the biggest concern because you would be drafting him into a situation very similar to the one Mitch Trubisky walked into in 2017, which is the coach has to win to keep his job. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the quarterback on the roster right now, Mike, I almost was Mike Glennon in 2017. It's now Nick Foles. They're mm-hmm. not, you know, obviously Foles has a better history, but as quarterbacks currently and, and their effectiveness in the NFL, they're not all that dissimilar. So you could draft Trey Lance and get the fan base really fired up and excited as they should be. The worry would be five games into the season, Trey Lance is now starting. And oh, by the way, the Bears wide receiver core might not be all that much better than it was in 2017 if you let Allen Robinson leave or you trade him because he doesn't want to be here anymore. I mean, this is – you would be setting up Trey Lance to have his development stunted by a bad situation and a coach who desperately needs to win. The best place for someone like Trey Lance is somewhere where if he does play, it's in a better structure, but there is already someone ahead of him who can keep that job. And – you know, even someone like Justin Herbert, look, you know, look at him. He wasn't supposed to play that, that horrible thing happened with Tyrod Taylor with a rib yeah. injection. Herbert steps in, but he's got Keenan Allen to throw to. He's got Austin Eckler on that team. He's Mike got a Williams. offensive line. Mike Williams, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, an offense, a good offense for Justin Herbert to step into. And then you turn around and you look at like someone like Tua, who maybe wasn't supposed to play this year. That offense was not very good the structure there, the offensive coordinator in Chan Gailey. And you wonder if Tua's development got stunted a little bit. All quarterbacks are in some way, shape or form system quarterbacks, except for like Mahomes, Rogers and Watson. Like right. that's it. And I think that you, you have to put the quarterback in the right structure, especially early on. Otherwise it does stunt their development. This has happened before. I, I, I was talking to someone this week about Sam Darnold. And I was just like, they were advocating, hey, like pound the table, trade a third round pick for this guy. And I'm like, are we sure Sam Darnold isn't broken? Mm-hmm. Like he threw nine touchdowns and 11 interceptions last year. He's a talented quarterback. You can look on film and say he can make some of those throws. But we're now three years into this. And like he might be broken because he had bad coaching and a right. bad group of players around him. And that can break quarterbacks irrevocably. They start seeing ghosts. They start. They stop trusting themselves. They stop trusting their footwork. They stop trusting the things that got them to the point of being a top 10 pick. And it's hard to come back from that. It really, really is. And I think with Mitch, there were some things that, that he has developed that have been bad habits, certainly ever since even, you know, post the Loggins Fox era. But 
throwing Mitch into that situation in 2017 did absolutely nothing for his development. If it didn't affect it, it, it hurt it. It didn't do anything to improve it. That Davis show here with J.J. Stankovich. Follow him at J.J. Stankovich. He covers the Bears for NBC Sports Chicago here in the city. Uh, look, real quick, even with the Sam Darnold thing, and you were talking about the receiving core with the Bears, they didn't even hold on to Robbie Anderson. Like, you, you right, would have yeah. like, just at least, for, him, yeah. Yeah, at least that, at least that, you know what I'm saying? Listen, you asked George McCaskey that um, in the last two decades, has he really looked at the team? His, those are the parameters. Has he, has he viewed the success for the team? He said that basically he just looks at a body of work. I wanted to know after you asked that question, what would be your parameters, JJ, that you would look at success of a franchise if you were running a franchise? Would you go over the the last couple decades or would you make it a shorter sample size? Well, I think I would go over, if you're in a position like the Bears and you've only made the playoffs six times in the last two decades and in only one of those instances did you make it in back-to-back years, um, I would look at why we why we haven't built a sustainable winner in this city. And that, that goes beyond the head coach. That goes beyond the GM. That goes to the organizational structure. That's what I was getting at with that question. And for George to say, not really, we don't really look at that, um, I think spoke some volumes about how he views the Bears as an organization. That, right. no, we don't need significant, significant organizational overhaul. Well, why not? If you're not winning to the clip that the Chicago bears quite frankly should be winning at. Why are you not looking at the history of your organization and why these missteps have happened? And the one thing I wish I did with that question, Ken was, was just say Ted Phillips's name and, and say in the Ted Phillips era, have you looked at why that you have not had success? And I, I think George was eventually asked that. I think it was on Waddle and Sylvie on Thursday. And George, George gave an answer that was really good. He said, I'm not looking at the Ted Phillips era. I'm looking at why we haven't won enough in the George McCaskey era. Mm. That would have been a great response if George had said that on Wednesday. Um, but instead, he, he kind of said, well, it's, you know, just you know, one year thing, all that. And I, I think that's a little disappointing when you and what, what I also got the, the sense from George is that I don't think he believes the Bears have reached an inflection point where they need that organizational change. They are not there yet, even though I think 97% of the fan base is probably there. The people who really matter ultimately to the Bears, the decision makers, the board of directors, George McCaskey, don't believe that. And the crazy thing is this. It kind of leads to, and real quick, I want to say this. Let me put a little curse words on it. See, that's why I fuck with you. Be honest with you. That's why I fuck with you, right? Because no bullshit. But see, this this is where it hurts me and it worries me. When you're sitting there and you're talking about the people that work for you and how enthused you were by their self-reflection, but yet you lack self-reflection yourself, how can I count on you to know if they have really self-reflected right. or not? Mm-hmm. Or if they're just shoving BS up your hoo-hoo? You know, and it, we, it's crazy when you look at the point of of the, how, how they kept talking about the relationship and, and the growth between Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. Listen, Ryan Pace had to come and tell you all we have to keep Matt Nagy because if he came and told you we need to fire him, you are going to start evaluating. Do you need to fire him? Because what's the sense of having him hire another coach? So right. they were stuck together anyway. So that, right. that's that's a huge, huge worry to me. So listen, one of the things that stood out to me, I'm happy that Matt Nagy and they, they, they championed at the beginning of the year. 
and it was proven to be right. So let me give uh, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace their props as far as handling the pandemic. Uh, yep. The Bears had issues, but they weren't like how you saw across the league. It wasn't mm-hmm. like it took it with Baltimore. Like a lot of these teams where it just it, it was an infestation basically as far as COVID nineteen. But how do you apply that into saying that there was some success in this in, in this season? Because to be honest with you. It's kind of like a father saying, I'm, I'm raising my kids. They're your kids. You're supposed to. Like, it's yeah. a pandemic. You're supposed to do your best job. So, right. yeah, so, like, how did you feel when they factored that into some of the success of this season? You know, it, it matters in that the Bears' leadership of Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, and, and Andre Tucker, their uh, head athletic trainer and infection control officer, it matters in the sense that they didn't get people sick. Mm-hmm. So that's good. That is just a good thing on its own. As it, as it relates to wins and losses, I do think there was a thought inside Alice Hall before the season that the team that handles the pandemic the best is going to be the most successful. Okay. Which didn't totally wind up being true. Like the Ravens, the Browns, and the Titans, the teams that had the three biggest outbreaks, all made the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, like, it, it, and the Browns won a playoff game without their head coach because he had COVID. I mean, so I think that assumption, which I think felt like a fair assumption in August, was really not did not play out the way they thought. Um, but ultimately, you're I mean, you're right. Like you had to handle this thing because, yeah, there there is a risk that you wind up like the Broncos and you're starting a practice squad wide receiver right. quarterback. But that that extreme example only happened once. So. I don't I, I think they deserve some credit, but also when it comes to just looking at how it impacted their wins and losses, it didn't really do that. And look, the crazy thing is even the Titans and people thought they were gonna come back and suck from the miss from not being yeah. played. They won the first game back with no practice. Yeah, uh, right. Uh, practice George, doesn't matter. That's my biggest right. takeaway from the 2020 season. Practice doesn't matter. Is, they haven't really been practicing like that for the last four or five years since the last collective bargain agreement anyway. Right. So Let's it's get rid not, of it. Yeah, but listen, listen, Uh, Michael McCaskey, and it was funny he said this. I wish someone had had came back with this question. Maybe they did. I didn't hear it, but I watched the entire uh, presser. He stated that this and I'm happy he did because Ryan Pace was trying to use making the playoffs low key as a success because he kept bringing it up. All right. We made it to the playoffs. But Michael, I mean, George McCaskey made a point to say. They just added the seventh seed. So this season really is a failure, basically. My question would have been, so basically you're saying they had the same failure that they had last year. So why did should they be brought back this season if they had the exact same failures last year? Because the playoffs doesn't count since they just added the seventh seed. Uh, well, they lost six games in a row and came out of it. Yeah. I, I, heard, that, I heard that way too much. I mean, right. it, it got to a point where it felt like McCaskey and Phillips – we're treating the six game losing streak like a good thing, like a, a reason that it showed the tremendous leadership of of their their coach and GM. Maybe don't lose six games in a row in the first place like that. It took far too long for that to be acknowledged. That was another yet another bad moment for the Chicago Bears was fans hearing. We all heard it that. We lost six games in a row, and we were the only the third team in NFL history to make the playoffs after that. And look at how our culture stayed together. The building stayed intact. We didn't break. We didn't splinter. We were able to win some games around some really bad teams, and then right. and then make the playoffs. I mean that that was 
you you should never reward losing no matter that there's no, but like, it's like, you know, being like, Oh, I'm not sexist, but (laughs) like we lost six games, but it's just like, or, you know, I'm not racist, but I have a black friend. Like there's no, but there's no, but there's literally no, but that day we show here with JJ Stankovich. Uh, JJ, let me ask you this: uh, Why, why did Chuck Picano step away? Well, I, mean, I know they they made it seem like he wants to go be with his family. Uh, is it because he, that's the initial reason, or did he see the writing on the wall that they weren't going anywhere, and why should he expend any more of his energy and just ride off into the sunset? Or did, was were, were there views of maybe bringing somebody in for that position? I think change had to happen on the defense. Uh, this maybe was a natural move. Um, I'm glad the Bears, by the way gave Chuck the opportunity to retire if that's Mm -hmm. how this went down, because Chuck does not deserve to be fired. Um, Look, the Bears defense needed change, right? But Chuck Pagano, as a just a football person in general, he deserved to go out on his own terms, even if it maybe was like a nudge, nudge, you know, still to be able to say I retired. Chuck earned that over his over the course of his football life. Maybe he'll be back. I don't know. But he earned that that ability to do that. But I think the bears need to bring someone else in a different voice. Um, because what the, the bears defense is making too much money. The players are making too much money to not have sacks and turnovers. Like the, the two things that the, the bears had in 2018, certainly a, just a magical year. You're never going to replicate that. You, you can't try to replicate that. But you also can't slide into the bottom half of the league in the, you know, or near the bottom half of the league in those categories when you're paying Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn and Eddie Jackson and Kyle Fuller and Akeem Hicks and Danny Trevathan. You can't do that. You have to maintain some level of, I guess, like splash plays would be the best word for it. And the Bears defense was very sound in a lot of things that they did this year. They were well coached for what they were doing. But they weren't well coached for what they really needed to do. And I think that's why a change was made. Now, on the defensive side, with as much money as on there, can you see them making any moves and, and, and freeing up some cash by moving one or two players from the defensive side, and particularly someone like Eddie Jackson? And I wouldn't uh, be that. Go ahead. No, no chance on Eddie Jackson. Uh, okay. His contract, the, the contract he signed last year, um, that is not movable. That, that, you know, if you were to restructure that and kick more money down the road, I don't think you do that after Eddie Jackson had zero interceptions in the season. Um, I mean, the, the easy cut here is Buster Screen. Um, he was probably going down that road. His contract is always designed really as a two-year contract, even though it was a three-year contract. You can save a little bit of cap space there. But the two guys I'm keeping my eye on, Ken, are Akeem Hicks and Kyle Fuller. Because the Bears, the Bears have decisions they can make on both of those guys, whether it's extending them or trading them. Because trading them will free up a lot of cap space. And if Ryan Pace is going to have a bold offseason that shows he is changing as a general manager, trading away two high-paid, very good defensive players to go address your offense would be a way that he could do that. And I know it's gonna, it, it will make your team worse by not having Kyle Fuller and especially Akeem Hicks. Especially the heart and soul of that defense. That dude, I am I am so impressed by everything Akeem Hicks does. He plays like 
85% of the snaps every single game. He is a motor that does not turn off. And it would be a body blow to the Bears defense to lose him. You also have one of the five worst offenses in the NFL, and you don't have a lot of money to fix it. And off in, and as we've seen, offense wins in the NFL, not necessarily defense. Unless the only way you, you have a, if your defense wins in the NFL, the only way you do is if you have the best defense in the NFL, right. which is how the Bears won in 2018. It's how the LA Rams are winning right now. And it's really hard to try to have the best defense in the NFL. You can plan all you want. Defense can be kind of random year to year. So I think if Ryan Pace really takes a swing at this thing, like really, really does, Akeem Hicks and Kyle Fuller might be on this, might not be on this team next year. I don't believe, I don't believe he's going to do that. Okay. Ultimately, because Pace, that does not track with how Ryan Pace has built rosters. But I think if a new GM walked into the building yeah. today, that would be something he would consider. And look, the, the, there would be some sticker shock for what they would get back for Akeem Hicks. Um, we had Pro Football Focus's Brad Spielberger on the Under Center podcast. It's coming out on Monday. And I asked him, what would be the return for those guys? I, just just take a guess. Take a guess. I, I'm interested what your guess would be for Akeem Hicks and Kyle Fuller's draft pick compensation. Um, I think Akeem Hicks would probably – I would want him them to get a second or a third, but I think they would get a fourth because of his age. Mm-hmm. And with, with Kyle Fuller, um, I think Kyle Fuller, one, had the best defensive year of any player on that defensive side. You usually don't see guys his age try to separate the player from the ball in the fashion that he did. But one, I think he's kind of still looked at as a zone quarterback – um, and still, he has a that's a large contract, and he's going to want equal money, if not more. So mm-hmm. you may be able to get, depending on if the team is thirsty, maybe a third, but you may fall into another fourth pick. I don't think you can get a second round pick for either one of those guys. But mm-hmm. Hicks' age is a huge issue. Also, his fit, depending on if you're running a regular four or three, because yep. you really want to use him as like go to five technique because he, he's crazy strong. It's just it's mm-hmm. bananas. Mm-hmm. You pull him off of that defense, they're not stopping anything up front. That's the thing why it's just so crazy. But that's how I feel. What did he say? This is why I like coming on with you, Ken, because you are incredibly smart. He said Akeem Hicks would get a fifth and Kyle Fuller would get a third. And the comp, the comp for Akeem is Calais Campbell, who was traded to Baltimore from Jacksonville for a fifth round pick. That's a good one. He's not Calais Campbell. I love him, but he's not Calais Campbell. Harold did his club. And, and you know, there, there were different things with Calais Campbell going on, or he wanted out of Jacksonville. Jacksonville was very clearly rebuilding. Um, but that is a comp, and you know teams around the league pay attention to that stuff, right? So, so listen, two more questions. I'm gonna let you get out of here. One question is personnel moves, and this involves who do you think will be the next DC? Will Matt Nagy will Matt Nagy take over play calling again, and Allen Robinson's future? Uh, next DC, I think James Ro- or Jay Rogers. Um, there's that report that came out Friday morning for me and Rappaport that. Uh, the Bears are, are considering him, but if they don't go that way, his contract expires and he's going to get interest to be a DC somewhere else with a lot of these new head coaches. So if you want to keep Jay Rogers in the building, I think you promote him to DC. I think that's the most likely path right now. Um, you could look outside your organization, but I, you might have a hard time finding someone who wants to step into a place that has a lack of stability for all the talent that is on that defense you know, if you're looking for your next Brandon Staley, um, I don't know if you're going to find that person willing to come to Chicago. 
So I'll say Jay Rogers. If it's not him, I think someone like George Edwards, okay. who uh, former Vikings DC, a guy the Bears interviewed in 2018. Maybe just to go around the Rooney Rule. Uh, <laughs> the only black coach they interviewed, and it was him and Vic who were the defensive assistants. And let's be honest, if they were getting the defensive assistant, they were going to hire Vic. Um, right. Anyways, but they still interviewed him, and that that can provide some valuable insight. Uh, he's currently a senior analyst with the Dallas Cowboys. That could be an option. And then if you're looking for someone who's outside of the coaching ranks right now, uh, James Betcher, who is the Cardinals and Giants DC for five years last decade. All right. So the second one, Matt Nagy. I think he, I think he takes it back next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my gut that he, he spends the whole off season reworking his offense and he takes it back. Um, and then Allen Robinson, they tag him and they trade him. Wow. I just, I, I went real long on this, on the A-Rob thing on NBCSportsChicago.com. Your, your viewers can look at, look at it right now up Check on our website out. on the Bears page. Um, I, I kind of went through all the options the Bears have for A-Rob and I settled on. I think the most likely is a, a tag and trade for him. I'm going to go read it right after this. Everybody, NBC, uh, NBC Sports Chicago, also the Undercity Podcast. Also follow him at JJ Stankovich. JJ, last one. Why in the world does George Hallis have the lesser office to uh, 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 Ted Phillips and definitely to Ryan Pace? You're the owner and there is Hallis blood in your veins. Ryan Pace's office is off the chain, to be honest with you. All right. I spent half of his interview looking at the lighting and the blue. Right. And the Ted Phillips office. And it looks like George Hallis just moved into that joint. Okay. Like, it, All right. Yeah. Let, let me. So George, George is. Something I appreciate appreciate about him, uh, just on, on a human level, he's a billionaire, but he doesn't act like it. Okay. Th- this dude drives a Honda Accord. Like he he doesn't drive a a you know super you know a Benz or he doesn't roll up like other owners are going to roll up. You know he he pulls up in like a, a blue Honda Accord, like this, <laughs> this like the same car we all got. You know. Okay. Um, and he, he genuinely enjoys interacting with fans. You know, he, he, he genuinely likes that part of it where a lot of owners, they're up in their box. They're not talking to the peons. You know, I know we, we laugh sometimes about George walking the South lot, but like, you know, but not, not a lot of other, other football owners are doing that. Right. Um, George is, I think he's not a regular guy. I'm not trying to say that he is. But among NFL owners, he's probably the closest thing to it. Mm. So that's why his office looks like, you know, it could be your eyes office. Right. Uh, and yeah. Ryan Pace and, and Ted Phillips have these awesome backdrops, flashy things, you know, that that's fine. That That's how most people operate. Mm-hmm. That's not how George McCaskey operates. I, I do give him some credit for that. That's 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 a good ending. And I appreciate you breaking that down for us. I always appreciate you joining us, man. Have a terrific weekend as you watch those those kids today. Wait, you got twins? I can't remember this from the last time. Do you have twins? Got twins. You got two boys? Are they what? Are they two boys? Yeah, two boys. Yep. I think I, think I do remember that. So listen. Yeah. Have a great weekend. Uh, everyone, make sure you follow JJ and read his articles at NBC Sports Chicago. I'm going to go read the Allen Robinson article right now. They're always informative, and he doesn't BS. That's the thing about JJ. He's not here to BS and blow smoke. JJ, have a definitely a great weekend, man. We always appreciate it. Appreciate you, Ken. Thank you. Looking forward to the next time. No doubt.